So I'd like for us to consider this morning, I know he loves me, but how much? I know he loves me, but how much? This may be something that uh, maybe the Apostle Peter may have been questioning at some point in time in his life when Jesus had said, Peter, here's what's going to happen. You see, Satan's already went to the Father, and he's already asked the Father, could he have a, a shot at you that he, might, that he might, you know, sift you like wheat? And, and, and he goes ahead and he tells Peter that you're going to fail in this test because I've already prayed that whenever you are converted, you know. And so Jesus tells him this is not going to go well for you. And Peter responds by saying, well, Lord, I don't know what you're thinking, but that's not me. You see, I'm going to go to prison for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to do whatever it takes to stand on your side. I will never, ever consider failing you, Lord. Of course, we know as the story went on that Peter did deny the Lord three times. And as the rooster crowed, uh, Peter looked and he saw Jesus making eye contact with them. And later on then, after the crucifixion, we find that Jesus appears to the women and he says, go tell my disciples and specifically, you make sure that Peter knows that I want to see them. Well, why do you suppose that is? And I know we've talked about this before, but I'm convinced Peter's thinking, oh man... I've made such a mess. Jesus tried to tell me, and I argued with him, and I I denied him. I didn't deny him once. I denied him twice. I didn't deny him twice. I denied him three times. I have made such a mess out of my life. There's absolutely no way that God could use me anymore. I'm I'm uh, I'm just a mess. Perhaps maybe Peter was wondering and saying, I know the Lord loves me, but Is his love deep enough to go beyond this fiasco that I've created? I honestly believe Peter was thinking that because if you remember my, my, some of my testimony from, from the years that I've been your pastor and that for seven years uh, I ran from the Lord and, and, and I kept trying to offer him everything else other than what he wanted. And in that junior year in high school when dad asked me, did you lose that dime? And I said, no, I didn't lose that dime. I just didn't use that dime when you told me this time was coming in my life. And I didn't use that dime. During all of those darker days in my life, there were times where I wondered. I knew God loved me. But is God's love deep enough to go beyond my sins and my faults and my failures? In John chapter 17, if you will begin reading with me in verse 20. Scriptures record, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, if you remember and be with us, Jesus has been praying for the, for the Father to receive honor and glory. He's been praying for those disciples that are gathered around him. He is praying now for you and I, those that would believe on there upon the apostles' doctrines, which didn't originate with them, but it was given unto them to carry out into the world. So he says, I'm not only praying for these that are gathered around me now, but I'm praying for those that are going to believe their doctrine that will be gathered together in November 2018 at Faith Missionary Baptist Church, as well as all of my churches across the land. I pray for them, and here's what he says I pray. I pray that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. 
And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, now listen to me, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Boy, if you can't get excited about the fact that Jesus stated in a prayer, I know this, Father, I know that you love those people gathered at Faith Missionary Baptist Church in November 2018. Father, I know you love them the same way you love me. Man, I got excited about that. Isn't it wonderful to know that God loves us equal to what he loves his own begotten son? Man, that's impressive to me. That he would love me that much. I could understand loving his only begotten son that much. His only begotten son never sinned. But my life's been full of sin from different times in my life. My life has been filled with failures. My life has been filled with times when I doubted, those times when I would, uh, I would backslide, those times that I would go and do these things, those times that one of the Bible uses for the word of sin literally is rebellion, those times when I just said, God, I know what you want, but I ain't giving it to you. So well, I've never done that. Yes, you have. <laughs> you may not know that you have in those terms, but that's how the Bible defines sin. One of the words for sin is outright rebellion. And yet, even with all of my rebellion, the Father loves me on the same plane that he loves Jesus Christ, the only begotten. Whew! That's, that's something to think about, isn't it? How, how deep is that love? Just how much does he love us? The power of one simple word that word as, in verse 23, when he says that you have uh, loved them as you have loved me, is the Greek word kathos, which literally, it, what it does is it functions as a comparative particle. It's comparing things. This is just as good as this, all right? Pick out your two favorite meals, whatever it may be. Kayler came in this morning, my granddaughter, and I said, well, maybe for lunch today, Papa's fixing you chocolate biscuits. That's her way of saying biscuits and chocolate gravy. She looked at me and said, I've already had them this morning, Poppy. <laughs> but I, there's not many things that she'll put on that same plane as chocolate biscuits. All right? Not many things that she'll put on that same plane. It's a comparative particle, and it's saying this is equal to that. It's comparing the two, and as it functions as this comparative particle, what it literally means, it has the force of saying that, I, that, that God has loved them just as he has loved me, or that God has loved them to the degree that he has loved me, that God loves them insofar as he loves me. Y'all, just bask in that for a while this morning, that God loves you and I to the same degree that he loves his only begotten son, Jesus. So, how much does God love the son slash me? 
How much is that? I want to just read a, a couple of, uh, of illustrations that, that I found that were kind of neat uh, to describe this love of God. One Sunday, a little boy looked up at his dad and he asked, Daddy, how does God love us? And his father answered, Son, God loves us with an unconditional love. That's just like a father, isn't it? If the son's asking, how much does God love us, and you're going to put words like unconditional love, you probably hadn't really answered him very closely. You know, but so the, 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 the lad looks at him for a moment. He says, well, Daddy, what kind of love is unconditional? After a few moments, the silence of the father was broken, and he answered, do you remember the two boys who used to live next door to us and that cute little puppy that they got last Christmas? Yes, Daddy. Do you, do you remember how that they used to tease it, and they threw sticks at it, and they even threw rocks at it? Yes, Daddy, I remember do you also remember how that every day that puppy would wait for them to come back home? And he would greet them with a wagging tail and, and, and would try to lick their faces and, and just wanted to be there and be petted. Yes, Daddy, I remember. I said, well, that puppy had an unconditional love for those two boys. They certainly didn't deserve his love for them because they were mean to him. But he loved them anyway. The father went on to make this point. God's love for us is also unconditional, son. Men threw rocks at Jesus. They even hit him with sticks. And they even killed him. And yet, Jesus loved them anyway. Now there is a difference between God's love and the love of, those, of that puppy. You can throw sticks and you can throw rocks at a puppy... And for a while, it may still come and greet you with a wagging tail and with a, 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 an excited bark. But after a while, guess what's going to happen? That puppy's going to realize. And that puppy's not going to come to you. In fact, that puppy's going to run from not only you, but anybody that reminds that puppy of you. But that's not the way God's love works. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, one of the other illustrations I found, one day a single friend asked a father of four, why do you love your kids? The father thought for a minute. And the only answer he could come up with is because they're mine. The children had no need to do anything to prove themselves to his father. He took them just as they were. So it is with God's love for us. He loves us as we are, and it is his love then that motivates us to trust and obey him in return. A father was talking to his six-year-old son, for the, uh, tucking his six-year-old son in for the night. And the father asked him, Son, when does daddy love you the most? When you're fighting with your sister and getting into a lot of trouble? Or when you've been very helpful to mommy and real nice to everyone? The son thought for a moment. He said, Well, dad, both times. The father said, right, son, and do you know why? Because you are my special guy. That was his pet name for his son. You are my special guy. God loves me the same way, unconditionally, because you and I are his special guys. C.S. Lewis said this, on the whole, God's love for us is much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Let that one sink in for a minute. C.S. Lewis said, 
God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than often our love for him is. How much does God love me? First of all, he loves me infinitely. The word infinitely means without any limits. Without any limits. You know, we sometimes can get a, a voucher that will give us ten free visits. Well, that's not infinite, is it? It's limited to an, um, a, a certain number. Uh, sometimes there are other parameters by which you and I may earn or, or, or may be granted certain privileges, but there are certain parameters. I, I want you to know this morning that God loved the Son infinitely and He loves us infinitely. There are no limits whatsoever. There are no, well, you've, you've come to me so, uh, too many times this week. Or you've come to me with a problem that is too large this time. Or you've come to me this time and, and, and you've not done this and you've not done that and you've not done this. To know that God loves us without any limit is quite an awesome thought, to be honest with you. He doesn't say, well, I, I tell you what, I, I'm awful busy right now. If you come back, maybe I can help you later. Uh, it, it, you know, sometimes there's, there's these helplines that you can call, and you call the helpline, and, and you're looking for help, but it's not infinite because there's times where there's nobody there to answer the phone. I have never once went to my Heavenly Father, and He wasn't there to answer me. Isn't that wonderful? And you know what? I've, I've went to him at 3 o'clock in the morning. I know y'all love your pastor, but probably not enough that you're going to jump up and answer the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning regularly. I've been to him when it was raining, when it was sunny, when it was snowing. When I've been there several times that day already. And when I've been there asking the same question over and over and over again. Y'all remember how little kids are, don't you? Every time you tell them something, what do they say? Why? Well, my mom and dad used to say, well, because I said so. <laughs> and that always had to suffice me because there wasn't any more to the discussion. But I, I, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll hear some, some child in Walmart and, of course, they want the sugary cereal and everything and here's this conscious mom that's saying, well, no, you can't have that. And guess what? Why? You know, and, and, and they weren't raised the same way that some of us were. And so it's just one why after another, after another, after another. And they leave that area and they go over into the next aisle and they start it all over again. Mama, can I have this? No. Why? You know, and it just, it's just on and on and on again. And, and, and there, are, there are no telling how many times a child will ask in Walmart, Mom, can I have this? I've seen moms and dads just get exasperated from some time, you know, at times from all the questions. God's love is infinite. There's no limits to it. We talked last Sunday about uh, burdens and, and the family of faith sharing these burdens. I went up, I, I hope she's not embarrassed by this, but I went up to Sister Martha this, this morning. And I said, Sister Martha, I want you to know I didn't just pray last Sunday, but I prayed every day this week several times a day that God would 
work in that particular situation. You know what she said? Had the best weekend I've had in years. There is power in prayer, y'all. There is tremendous power. And it's because God is limitless in his love. He doesn't say, listen, you've, you've just over, you know, you've overtaxed me. You can tax these things to death. You can take all your modern conveniences that we just have, we, we can't function without. And you, you require too much of it and what happens? Starts moving real slow, you know. God's not like that. His love for us is infinite. It's also eternal. Say, well, well what's the difference? There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a fine difference there. I, I, granted, it's not great, but not only is his love without limits, but his love is without end. Without end. There will never be a day or time that you and I would go to God and he'd say, well, you know what? Two weeks ago, you did this or that and the other. Two weeks ago, you, you didn't go to church like you knew you should have. Last Sunday, while you were sitting at church, instead of paying attention to my words, you were doodling and writing notes and passing it back and forth and, and distracted. In the world in which we live in now, you never know whether a church member is reading along because the Bible's on their phone or whether they're playing, you know, whatever game that they've downloaded that week. <laughs> I want you to know, even this morning, if you don't pay any attention at all, now, God's not going to be pleased with you, but he's not going to stop loving you because of it. Pass all the notes you want to, and I may not be thrilled with you. Your parents may not be too thrilled with you, and God's certainly not going to be thrilled with you, but his love will not be withdrawn from you. As a matter of fact, open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. Beginning in verse 31. Paul writes in Romans, chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then? Or what shall we say then uh, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is, it, or who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation do it? Can, can the trials that we face in life, can they separate us from the love of God? Can a, a bad doctor's report, can a loss of a job, can the loss of health, can the, can, can, can the, the heartache of, of being uh, unfriended on Facebook, can, 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 can these things, can there be any tribulation that comes down our path that is able to take us to a place that God won't still love us? And the answer is what? No. 
Paul is basking in, in, in the thought that there is no tribulation. But he goes on and he says, who can separate us? Can tribulation? How about distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul is not preaching what is preached so often on the TVs and on the radios. Oh, just trust Jesus, ask Jesus in your heart, send me some money, and all the troubles in your life are going to go away. That's what's preached today. Paul said, listen, all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We face the sword. We face peril. We face distress. We face death. But not one of those things takes me to a place that God has quit loving me. And that fact helps us to face those areas, those terrible things. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, we are what? We're cast down, we're depressed, we're stressed out. No. In all of these things, we are counted as more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice the tie of being a conqueror and understanding that love of God is infinite, uh, is infinite and eternal. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I dare say, and, and I don't say this to offend, but I dare say that Paul did not finish writing verse 38, verse 39 there with the same look on his face that's on ours this morning right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I can't help but believe that as Paul penned this and he thought, listen, when I go to prison, when I face Nero, when they put the noose around me, when I get sick, when my finances is this, when my family is this, when all the world is crumbling around me, when it's like I've got no friends left. As Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, and at my defense, nobody stood with me. I was all alone except that I found God was there. But as Paul worded these... I, I, listen to me, I can't believe that Paul didn't have a smile from ear to ear and wasn't rejoicing and probably even unbaptistic by today's standards wasn't raising a hand and saying, Hallelujah, thank you God that you love me the way you love your son. His love and the knowledge that it's infinite and that it's eternal Brother David, in his lesson this morning, Brother David Tate was talking in his lesson about one of the things that he appreciated about Paul. And in the text that we're reading in Romans chapter 14, Paul talked about how that he was bold. You know why Paul was bold? He was confident about the love of God for him. That's what makes him bold. 
I say, well, what do you mean? What are you getting at, Brother Jeff? What in the world is the world going to do to the Apostle Paul that's going to remove him from the love of God? And Paul would rather have had the love of God than all the joy and all the privileges and all the entertainment and all of the stuff of this world. The love of God meant more to him than anything else. And it was the only thing that he was assured of. In Psalm, I believe it's chapter 57, 52, verse 10, the psalmist talked about, I am like a green olive tree that has been planted. And what he's talking about, I don't know anything else about this world. I mean, I, I've, I've ran from King Saul. I've ran from my son. I've ran from other armies. I have faced giants. I have faced lions. I have faced bears. And I have no idea about what tomorrow holds, but I do know this. I am like a green olive tree. I am form, firmly planted in God's love, and that's the only thing I can count on because it's infinite, and it is eternal. Not only is it infinite and it is eternal, but it is also perfect. I can't remember if I shared this story with you or not. If I did, I apologize for repeating it, but the other day, uh, several weeks back, Kayla was going to come to our house and when she comes to my house, a lot of times she'll ask me to make birthday shakes. And simply a recipe for birthday shakes is you put a little bit of ice cream in the blender and you put some milk and you put some sugar and you get out the food coloring and the sprinkles and you just let her have a blast putting as much food coloring and sprinkles as she wants in it. And I realize if you're a dentist, you're probably thinking you are killing that child. But she was coming to our house a few weeks ago, and she was wanting a birthday shake. So she said something to her mama about, well, I'm going to go to Poppy's house tonight and get a birthday shake. And Christy said, Poppy may not feel like making you a birthday shake tonight. And my, my, my granddaughter, at the age of six, without even missing a beat, without thinking, said, Mommy, Poppy don't ever tell me no. <laughs> she knew if she came to my house and asked for a birthday shake, guess what she's going to get? A birthday shake. Now, Paula may ask me to take out the trash, but that may not happen. But Kayla's going to get a birthday shake if she asks for one. It's hard as a grandparent to remember what I knew as a parent. As a parent, I knew it was good for the kids every now and then to hear the word no. For some reason, I forget that every now and then, Brother Randy, as a grandparent. But you see, God's love is a perfect love, isn't it? There are some things that Kayla could ask for that she would hear the word no because I know they're not good for her. But what I'm telling you is that sometimes my love might go a little too far and spoil her. My love might go a little further than it ought to and let her get by with something that she shouldn't get by with. But you see, God doesn't love that way. God loves perfectly. And he knows exactly what we need and what we don't need. And he knows exactly that point to grant and to not grant. And here's the thing. Sometimes God, who loves perfectly, knows also that from time to time, I need to be chastised. I need to be, as it were, called on the carpet, or as my granny used to say, taken out to the woodshed or turned over her checkered apron. There were times and are times that God knows that when I ask him for this, that's not what I need. 
I've been praying for weeks now about what we talked last week about Christie's uh, the, 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 the prognosis from the doctor. And, and I've asked and I've asked and I've asked. And I'll continue to ask. I don't think it's wrong to continue to ask for your desires as long as you are willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. And, I, and, I, and I'm trusting and praying that, that, that if it would be his will that we'll get the kind of results and the turn, returns of information and the news that we, need, we, we want out of that. But I have to trust that my father loves me and loves that daughter of mine, loves her more than I love her, and that whatever he has in mind, he will give the grace to see it through. He loves without any limit, without any end, and without any perfections. He loved the Son that way, and He loves us that way. Well, how can I be sure? It's proven by action. John 3.16, Galatians 2.20, 1 John 4.10. Write these down and go back and look at them. I, I, I'm not going to be able to take the time this morning to do it, but in every one of these... And in most cases in the New Testament, when it speaks of God's love, you know where it heads to every time? The cross. It heads to the cross. John 3, 16, you know. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And he goes on and talks about how that God gave his son. In 1 John chapter 4, and verse 10, how do we know the love of God? By the cross. Listen, I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. I may not know whether the Republicans or the Democrats or, or whether this is going to happen or whether we're going to be a free nation for the rest of my life or whether we're going to lose this. I don't know what's going to happen about tomorrow. But I do know this. God has never given anybody any reason to question His love. He's proved it. Go to the cross. Go to the cross. It's right there. It's proven by action. It's proven by when it was offered. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. His love was given to us while we were yet sinners. Not after we cleaned up our life. Not after we repented. Not after we uh, you know, confessed our sins. Not after we were saved. His love was offered while we were His enemies. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. His love was not offered because I came searching for Him, saying, oh, if I could just have your love. His love was offered in that He came in searching for me when I wasn't interested in being found by Him. That's an amazing thought. It's pretty easy for me to love my grandkids, my kids, my wife, y'all. It's a whole other manner to love somebody that doesn't love me. And yet, that's the way the Father loves. It's not earned. It's not based on emotion that I have pleased Him. It's based on who He is. His nature is love. And so, He has made the choice to love. It's proven by longevity. We read Romans chapter 8 a little while ago. Nothing. Nothing can take it away. Nothing. I was listening this morning as I was 
downloading and making sure that the song that we opened with this morning was going to work and there was a, a uh, history of the song, It Is Well. And I know y'all know the, 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 the gist of it, but there's a lot more to it than what I knew in the gist. I knew of the kids drowning as that boat went down, that ship went down. The wife survived, and when she got to shore, she sent word back, and he traveled to her, and as they were passing over the spot, the captain said, near as I can tell, this is about where your, your children were taken. That part I knew. I did not know that not only was his kids lost, but in other incidents in life, not in that particular ship going down, but Brother Stratford, I believe his name is, had lost seven family members. And yet he, he worded the song, it is well. It is well. Why? I've lost seven family members. I've lost my children. And I've lost others. But I've not lost the love of God. It's proven by action at the cross. It's proven by when it was offered when I was a sinner. It's proven by longevity and that it can never be lost or taken care of. Let me close very quickly the benefits of such love. Paul would want you and I to know, Jesus would want you and I to know this morning that there is security in that kind of love. But the one thing they would not want us to do is sit around and say, well, this is all pretty good, Brother Jeff. I love it when you preach on the love of God and you don't deal with our, our responsibilities and, and, and things of that nature, our commitment levels. But understand this. Part of the purpose of this love is to realize that we are secure. And so that we will not sit around and not try something because we're afraid to fail. I hear that a lot. Well, what if, what if we fail? Well, I promise you the person that does nothing is going to fail for sure. Let me just, let me remind you of a story that's told to us in the Word of God. The, the, Jesus told of a time when a man that, that was the owner of a, of a farm, if you will, and he was going to go out of town, and, and he went to his different workers, and he said, here, here's talents, which is not that you can sing and you can do this, but these are increments of money. Here's ten talents. Here's five talents. Here's one talent. These are increments of money. Go and carry on my business. And the guy that had 10, he went out and he invested and he worked and he gained 10 more. And he brought it back to the, the, the man of the house that was representative of the Lord. And the man of the house said, well done. Well done. The man that he gave five, he went out and he worked and he invested the five and he brought it back. And he brought the five that the Lord had given him plus the five more and he handed it to the Lord and well done. But if you remember the guy that had one talent, you know what he said? Do you remember? I went and dug a hole and I buried it. Why? Because I knew that you were a hard man. You know what he's saying? I was scared to fail. I did not want to come back to you and tell you that I had made a mess and I'd lost that one talent that you'd given me. That is a child of God that does not know the security of the love of God. You see what I'm saying? When I know that my Father's going to love me even if I fail, there's security to get up and go to work 
And if I fail, he's still going to love me. But it's when I lose that security and I think, oh, I'm scared to death to fail. Now I don't do anything. As I was putting the final touches this morning to the message, I thought, you know, I could see myself a few years ago hearing a sermon like this and saying, oh, well, if there's security and God's going to love me presently and in the future and and all of my life, if, if God's going to love me that way and I can never do anything He's going to take to love, then... I might as well go ahead and miss church as much as I want to and go deer hunting or, or this hunting or this fishing or, or I might as well go and stop and drink all I want to or I might as well live the way I want to. And you know what Paul would say? Paul would say, God forbid. Have we received grace that we might sin more? God forbid. I would go a little further, and this is also borne out in Scripture's. If you and I profess to be a child of God and we can take a sermon that says we are secure in the Father's love regardless of what we do and so we use that now as a license to go out and live any way we want to, I might would question just how much we really have experienced the love of God in our lives. For experiencing the love of God is supposed to drive us to be more like his son to be conformed to the image of his son not to be as far away from that as we can gives us great benefits security in this world i can't do anything that he's going to take his love away and there's nothing that can come upon me that can separate me but not only does it take care of this present world but it gives us security in the future i want you to open your bibles and we'll close with this this morning to first john chapter four Another phrase that I had not really probably caught in the full value of it. As it was with this one this morning that he has loved us. To the same degree that he has loved his only begotten son. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness. See, there again, we got the idea of security and love tied up together. That we might have boldness in the day of judgment. What are we talking about when we stand before him as judge? That we're going to have some confidence, some boldness. Now, listen to this. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. I realize the he is not capitalized there, and so somebody might say, well, that, that, that can't refer to, the, to any part of the Godhead. Understand capitalization and lack thereof is man's doings, and there's error there. The he is Jesus. Boy, if you can't get anything else, get excited about this morning. How do you not get excited about he loves me on the same degree that he loves his son? And number two, how does he see me? He sees me as Jesus. Wow. Now, before we get too arrogant and high about that, what he's talking about is when we stand before him at the judgment, we can have confidence. Why? Because when we stand there before him, he will see us in the same light that he sees his son. In other words, I'm clothed in his righteousness And all of my sins 
are forgiven. One of the sermons I preached when I first rented to preach, which was completely wrong. I, I have to admit, there's been some sermons that I've preached that, that I've, I've, I blew it. I remember one sermon I preached very young in my, in my pastoral life, and I talked about how that, you know, we needed to live for God and, and to avoid sin, which all that part's true. And it was back before we had screens and projectors. And I said, uh, it, what you're going to have to imagine is you're going to have to imagine that someday you're going to get to heaven, there's going to be this great big tele, you know, television set, and it's going to play all the sins in your life, and God's going to ask you, why did you do this, and make you account for this, and make you account for that. And in the youth, and the excitedness to make a point that we ought to be careful about how we live, I didn't realize and I didn't do the homework to find out that ain't true. When I stand before him at judgment, God will view me as he views his son. All of those sins are forgiven. They are cast away. They are gone. Instead of standing there in all of my filthy rags of sin, I'm going to be standing there in a bright, beautiful, white raiment of righteousness. Not mine, but Jesus Christ's righteousness. You see, God's love provides security for me here today that nothing can happen, that He won't be with me and He won't love me. But it provides me security again in the future. And that I realize I'm not going to stand before Him and have to try to earn my way in. It's not like the joke that's been told so many times about the apostle, uh, about Peter standing at the gate and all of your good deeds and all your bad deeds and it just depends on who outweighs who. No. There is security. There is boldness. Here, now, and for the future. John 17, 23. Jesus said, I know, Father, that you loved those people way down in time, gathered today, here, and now. I know that you loved them exactly the same way and to the exact same degree you've loved me. I ask you this morning, do you know the love of God? As your personal Savior, have you come to Him and dealt with your sins by asking for forgiveness of sins and accepting the love of God, that gift. You know, gifts are wonderful. You can believe they're real. They, you can believe that, you know, they could be yours, but until you receive it, it's never yours. Have you ever received that gift? Would we as children of God not sit around and say, well, I was afraid to fail? The infinite, unending love of God removes that as a possibility for us. Well, if we are loved by God to that extent and it could never be taken away, then I don't see much need in trying that hard. And then you don't really know the love of God. I'm going to ask us to stand. We prepare for a verse of invitation. I'm going to tell you what I did. Not that you have to. As I finished studying the other day in that office, and I looked at these two statements that I had not really had the full force of. That he loved me to the extent that he loved his only begotten son. And that he saw me. He saw me as his son. 
I'll tell you what I did. I walked out of that office and I walked over here. I came in this building. All the lights were off. It was a little cool. Didn't turn the heat on. It was dark. Nobody around. But I spent quite a while in this altar just saying, God, I, I, I am amazed. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say other than to tell you I am amazed. Because I don't deserve. I don't deserve this. Father, we come to you today. I pray, Father, that we've been humbled by the thought of your infinite, eternal, perfect love for us. Lord, I pray that if there's one today that does not know that love, that they would not leave here today without experiencing it. I pray for the child of God that's been overcome by their own sin and they're wondering, could God really still love me? That Maybe this message would remind them that you'll never withdraw your love. And that they're always welcome to come back home. And you'll forgive. I pray, Father, for the one that is just basking today and rejoicing, knowing, having it pointed out how much you love us. Father, whatever the decision is, if there's something we need to do, if it's even just coming and bowing and praying, Father, that you would stir in our hearts and that we would be responsive. Get honor and glory. Use the feebleness of my presentation this morning, but the power of your word to accomplish your will. And I ask these things in your precious name. Amen.